0: Amen. Well, friends, it gives me real pleasure to introduce our, our speaker today. Yesterday, Peter was Peter and Francis are here. Golter. I wonder if you two would like to, to both stand, and we can just welcome you in the way that we usually do. Really nice having you. Thank you, Peter. Feel free to, to come up. Um, Peter Peter took a reti- preparing for retirement seminar, what he calls the third age, um, yesterday, and and. At the end of that time afterwards, I was asking various people, and the number one thing people said to me was, this was more than I expected, this was great, and I, I believe today we're gonna, uh, you're going to uh, finish and say, wow, um, I got more than I expected today from the Lord. Peter's written a little book over the lockdown, and it's available, there's quite a number of copies up there. Uh, I read it yesterday in an afternoon, so it's, it's something that can be taken on board, but I'm going to reread and reread because of the truth that's in here. You can get it for, for $5, although Peter said if you, if you can't afford that, you can take one for free as well, which is very generous from him. But I think it's the kind of book you'd probably buy two or three and pass on to other people. So sit back and enjoy Peter's story.
1: Thank you. I'd just like to say on behalf of the Promise Keepers Board, thank you very much as to you as a church for being very generous in uh, sponsoring our conference here back in August. It was a great event and this was a great venue, but you're a very generous church in supporting that. Thank you. In my sharing this morning, I was going to make a statement that it's always important to wait on a word from the Lord. And I wasn't expecting actually a word from the Lord to come right at the very beginning, thanks very much. The, the word of this morning is the banqueting table. And I really want to encourage each one of you right now to receive that word, the banqueting table. Because, as I said, I wasn't expecting that to come, but I believe that's the word for each and every one here this morning, the banqueting table. The banqueting table is, is open to everyone. And none of us can actually perceive what God has for us at the banqueting table, because none of us know what we actually need, but he knows what we need. And at the banqueting table, we'll find everything that we need for our situation today and tomorrow. So if you get any prompting of the Spirit of God this morning, I'd say to you, feed on him. Come to the banqueting table. Don't rely on your own understanding. What I've come to share about is um, encouragement for everyone in surviving a time of trial because trials do come in life and for the last 15 years I've been under a diagnosis of lung cancer. And on this journey God has turned up in magnificent ways and I can't share everything that God has done in 15 years and no short time is available, but I do want to lay down some, some principles that I feel that's relevant to survive a time of trial. And in essence, I wrote, God told me to write the book, not because I want to write a book, but it's really just, it's his story of what he's done in my life, and I hope, and I believe it will be an encouragement to others. So let's pray. Father, we choose to come to the banqueting table this morning. And for whatever that means, Lord, we just receive all that you have for us. And Lord, I just pray that the things I share, that which is of me, would just disappear, and that which is of you which would find good ground. And we ask this in Jesus' name. I want to lay down some a foundation of Scripture. In John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I, I changed the word trouble to trial, and to me it's similar. God's plan for us is that we are overcomers. Genesis 1.25 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, Fill the earth and subdue it. God's plan for us is that we build into our lives a firm foundation so that when times of trouble come, we'll not fall. In Luke 646 46-49, the wise and the foolish borders. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house that could not shake shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and destruction was complete. God's plan for us is that I am always with you to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. Even in a time of trial, God is with us. God's plan for us is that we seek him and we will find him, Matthew 7, 7. So that in times of trial, we seek him still. God's plan for us is that we trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not on our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. (laughs) We claim the truths of his word, not the situation we are in. We need to subdue the mind and make it submissive to God's word and repellent to all the attacks of the enemy. It's by declaration, by declaration. At all times, but also in times of trial, we turn to God and have an expectation of his involvement in helping us to be an overcomer. We stand on his word. We expect in faith his action. We expect his personal intimacy and guidance for us, for this situation. We stand on his word. Psalm 103, 2-5 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Tragically many Christians believe part, but not these two verses. If he died for our sins, he also was wounded for our healing. Unless God says otherwise, we press in for healing. We have to ask bold questions of God, like the Apostle Paul did, who was told that God's grace was sufficient for him, that he was to endure the, the thorns in the flesh. But generally, that's not the situation. We ask God and wait for his revelation. Last year, the Lord showed me that what I've experienced over these last 15 years is reflected in the parable of the paralytic in Luke five seventeen to 20. Lean into and on the, the body of Christ. I believe this is a principle to follow in time of trial. Whereas I do not believe there is any formula to receive healing from Jesus, but I believe the story of the healing of the paralytic shows a way to proceed. It is largely what I have followed in the last 15 years. So the healing of the paralytic, we've got this man who is paralysed. We don't know if he's a quadriplegic or just paralysed. But there is no way that he can get to Jesus. In those days, I mean, for those of you that have been to Israel, the whole... The gospel comes alive when you're in Israel. The, there's narrow streets in the city. The, the houses are small. The ground is really quite rugged. We've got no concept here in New Zealand of what rugged ground is. So to, for a paralytic to get to Jesus was near on impossible. It was impossible because he couldn't get there. So his friends, his friends tried to take him to Jesus' feet, but the crowd is immense so they climb up onto a roof and they still can't get into Jesus so they break a hole in the roof and to get him to the feet of Jesus they lower him down and then Jesus says what do you want and the man says he wants to walk and he says pick up your mat and walk I mean if you've been paralysed how do you know what walking is your whole body has changed and the answer is Are they able to walk? No. But he had to step into a concept that he would not have understood. Get up and walk. He stepped out in faith. But how did he get there? He was carried there by his friends. And I believe in a time of trial. We lean in on the body of Christ and we allow our friends to carry us to the feet of Jesus. And that has been my experience. I believe I stand here today healed because of friends who have carried me to the feet of Jesus. As I said before, you've got to expect a word from the Lord in your time of trial. And it's when you actually stand with the body of Christ and lean in on them, that is where the word of the Lord will come. Just like this morning, we were gathered here as a body of Christ, and the Word of the Lord has come, come to the banqueting table. So, in the first season, I was diagnosed in two thousand six with a tumor in the lung, and the, and the specialist that day said to me, "There's a shadow of death over your life." That night, I was sat on my bed as I used to do in my quiet time, and I said, "Well, Lord, you've got my interest. What are you saying?" And I just waited and and he led me to a very common scripture in Psalm 23. And as I read that scripture, the words of the doctor spoke out. Where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And here was the same words that the doctor said, there's a shadow of death. And yet at the time when I received that word, my initial thoughts were emphasising on the word death. But when I got into the word of the Lord, it's a valley of the shadow of death and we're going to walk through the valley. And I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. Sometime later, I actually found out that they didn't expect me to live more than five years. But after three and a half years, the specialist I was going to declared the words that he said he never would to say Never, I'd never hear him say, he said, I have to declare that you are healed. When you stand on the word of the Lord, the reality is everything else has to come into alignment with the word of the Lord. And a doctor who says he'll never say to you that you are healed finally comes into submission to the word of the Lord because he has to confirm what is going on with what the Lord has done in my body. For the next five or six years, you battle a battle of the mind where people continually come up and out of goodness they want to know how you are and they may have not heard that you've been healed or they don't believe it. And so you you have to uh, endure a barrage of um, a lot of negative words that you have to keep repelling. My wife had written me a proclamatory prayer when she observed I was uh, a little bit flat going through chemotherapy and... I had basically been declaring that promontory prayer for the large part of the last 15 years. And part of the reason I still proclaim that is not that I don't doubt that I'm healed, it's to subdue the mind so it comes into the will of God and not relies on its own understanding. So when I say I've had a 15 year battle, a lot of it's a battle of the mind. But in 2016, I was actually diagnosed with another tumor And again, we lean in on the body of Christ and we expect the word of the Lord to come. And the word of the Lord came through a number of prayer meetings for me out of Psalm 91. And in Psalm 91 verse 2 was a specific word. But the the first three verses read like this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Here is a second time, out of two words, that the word the Lord uses the word shadow. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And when I've been proclaiming that Scripture day after day after day, finally my mind comes into alignment, to be subdued and to accept. I trust the Lord. I want to share with you, when you proclaim scripture, it's how interesting how things come into alignment over a season of time. I will actually say, I, when I pray for people, I believe in for instantaneous healing. But my observation is that I've probably seen more people healed over a progression of time. And it used to rock my foundations a little bit not to see people healed instantly. But I've come to realise that when you actually look at all the stories in the Bible about Jesus healing people, there's a lot of those stories that are time-based healing. And you don't actually sometimes see it in the narrative, but it's actually there. And so we shouldn't be disappointed when we don't see something happen immediately. And if you're praying for someone, you can actually ask the question, can you just be brutally honest with me? Are you 5%? 12%? 95% better than what you were? And if they're brutally honest, don't be disappointed when they say, oh, I think I'm 5% better. And you pray again. I mean, actually, literally here at Promise Keepers I prayed for a guy, Well, we prayed for a guy and um, a group of us, and after praying for him for about, I don't know, 20 minutes or something, we asked him, how is he going? He said, oh, probably 5% better. Well, great. God's on the move. And so he we said, we'll pray again. So we prayed for another, I don't know, 10 minutes. And... Um, we asked him, how are you going? Oh, he said, 100%. <laughs> so the issue is we've got to keep praying, be it like the persistent widow, never go out. So when you actually proclaim a scripture, <coughs> things start to come into alignment. So this word shadow. In 2016, I was diagnosed with, as I said, with this, um, another tumour, had chemotherapy I had surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, um, but in 2018, the signs of my scans were very, very positive. The doctor was talking about how extraordinary things were, because again, for this time my season, the diagnosis was much severe, there was cancer that so it hadn't been able to remove, and so he was expecting reoccurrence of lung tumours, and it was all quite negative. But in 2018, I was going to see him to get the, the results of the scan, and as I walked from the car park into the, the Mercy Hospital, the Lord spoke to me on the walkway and he said, Do you trust me? Straight out of Psalm 91. And I said, Lord, I trust you because there's nobody else that I can lean on. Nobody can do anything for me. The doctors can't heal me. You're the only one that can heal me. I trust you, Lord. So I go into the into the... Uh, meeting and I'm told that I have two tumours on the, on the spine and I, honestly it didn't rock me at all because the answer was God had met me on the way in and asked me do I trust them, I've got no understanding of how God's going to handle that but the answer is we trust in the Lord those tumours were treated with radiotherapy and um, according to what I understand from the doctors it was quite an extraordinary result from that there's a story in the book about, it goes in a bit more detail about that whole adventure. But I want to come to this word shadow. In 2018, I've just got my dates all mixed up again, I have an no idea. <laughs> 2018, so the other date was 2017. 2018, I was going in again for a results of a scan. And I mean, it was the first time in the 15 years that I had sort of had some concerns that probably my body wasn't functioning very well. Um, and they said the diagnosis was I had two tumours on the brain and two more on the spine. And the biggest tumour on the brain was 33 um, millimetres. So the doctor said, oh, well, we'll put you on to a new medication. Um, your type of cancer diagnosis suits this medication. But it's an inhibitor drug. So inhibitor drugs aren't meant to cure. They're meant to inhibit growth, stop new tumours growing, and maybe reduce the size of the tumour. And he said, in a month's time, we'll do another scan just to see the, how this drug's going. Well, two weeks later, I had a ring from the, some of the prayer guys at church, and they said, oh, we want to do a Courts of Heaven prayer time with you. Do you understand what that is? And I said, yeah, I've got a brief idea. I said, that's fine, if there's anything hanging around that could be causing this, I'm into it, you know, let's get rid of it. So also the word shadow is linked, you'll read in this, in my book, um, with masonry. I was a mason, and one of the relying on your own understanding to try and find God, I became a mason. I mean, a crazy place to go and find God. But um, this shadow is a shadow. Has actually been prophesied many times in the prayer meetings. It's, it's a hangover of masonry, and and cancer issues of the throat and lungs are quite common with people that have left masonry. So it's a spiritual battle, and the answer is the enemy doesn't like losing ground. And so in this in this prayer time, um, it was an ordinary prayer time. Nothing. I didn't feel anything extraordinary. And then this lady said, oh, "I've got this word." But she said, oh, I'm a bit reluctant to bring it. Because if you've got the word shadow and you're praying for someone who's had a bad diagnosis, it all sounds a bit dark, really. And I said to her, look, come on, you get, if you've got a word from the Lord, you've got to bring it. So she said, shadow. And I started laughing. Because here is God turning up for me in a time of, of trial. The same word. Shadow in Psalm 23, shadow in Psalm 91. The word shadow through a 15-year walk with the Lord. And I know he's got his hands all over it. I walked away from that prayer meeting, didn't feel anything, to be honest. But I knew God's hand was on it. But interestingly enough, 24 hours later, literally to the dot, 3 o'clock on the Monday afternoon, something happened. I cannot tell you what it was, but something happened. So I ring up the guy that organized the meeting, I said, God has healed me. Something's just happened, I just have to let you know. Two weeks later, I go for a scan. And the result of the scan is that three of the tumours have gone and the 33 millimetre tumour on the brain is down to a millimetre. It's just there and no more. Wow. The next scan, in three months after that, it's gone. For the last two years, my regular scan re- regime, there's no sign of any tumours. But my doctor is still adamant that I'm a stage 4 lung cancer patient. Now he's got a major obstacle to get over, to come into alignment with the word of the Lord. <laughs> I gave him a copy of my book. I've got to tell you, God's got a sense of humour. This 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 book arrived in the country. Um, I had them printed in China because it was cheaper, and um, they arrived. And I could pick them up on a Thursday, and that was the day I was going to go and see the specialists again. And I thought oh, this is going to be interesting, so I pick up the books and I, I pick them up on an open trailer because I thought, ah, oh, I don't think it's going to rain, you know. And so i got this trailer full of books and I get them home and just unload the trailer and it rains. And I said, oh God, I think there's a blessing in this. I'm expecting a good results this afternoon. So I go to the the meeting with my specialist and I take a book with me and he says, oh, I you mean, know, he said, good news. He said, um, what's the word he uses? Um, it's complete response. This is as good as you get. Complete response. I feel like saying, what does that mean? Do you want to say healing? I'm healed? No, it's a complete response. So I said, well, I'm I'm quite happy with a complete response. Here's my book, because if you hadn't told me that I've had to throw them all away. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so what I'm gonna say to you this morning is who said? When our first son was born, he was born sick, and just to collapse the story down, for the first um, two years, we had him in and out of hospital quite a bit, and, um, but right from the beginning, I've been a Christian, I'm, so you don't have to do the mental gymnastics, I'm 67, I got saved just before I got, just before I met Francis, so we have been married for 40 years, so about, I've been a Christian for about 42 years, 41 years, I've always been interested in Christian healing. It's just something that God's drawn me to, and so over the years of my life, he's been teaching me stuff all the time about Christian healing. And this journey that I've been on, I think it's just part of God teaching me about what, I mean, part of the, do not hear me say God gave me cancer? I don't believe cancer's of God at all. But God's in your time of trial, and he uses you, to, he teaches you. And, but in it, when our son was sick, he taught us the very first lesson And that was who said. So finally the doctors give our sons diagnosis that he's a chronic asthmatic with weak lungs. And he's going to be like that all his life. And it didn't sound too terribly, you know, enjoyable for our son. And I was in hospital with my son and Francis was at home with our elder daughter and one of the fruit of oneness in marriage is that you, you literally become one even when you're apart. And we both ask God individually, God, are we meant to accept this diagnosis for a son, that he's a chronic asthmatic? And the Lord said no. So I rang Francis the next morning. And I think it was days of self- No, maybe I didn't have self- <laughs> those days. Um, I rang Francis and said, the Lord has told me not to accept this diagnosis, and she said, that's what God's told me. Not to accept the the labor. So uh, the the doctors were saying he's a chronic asthmatic, but we said, no, don't accept that, but we'll we'll call him a chronic, he's got a chronic chronic asthma diagnosis. Now, words are very important. What you proclaim with your mouth is either a curse or a blessing. And when you take ownership and start calling yourself a this or that, you are actually speaking curses on yourself. So if you turn around and say, I'm an asthmatic, I mean, do you want to dance and sing about it and keep on proclaiming it? Or do you want to go to battle and do something about it? I don't believe. You be, I've got a simple theology. In actual fact, I'll read this out of my book just so you understand where I'm coming from. Just a word. My use of scripture is my own understanding of that scripture for my journey. The word of God is living and active, and God is a master of, at fitting a particular verse to our personal situations. I say personal, not scholarly. If you find some of the following a, a challenge to your own understanding or experience, please bear with me. Yes, we can have similar journeys and with possibly different outcomes, but only in heaven will it all become clear. But I have a feeling anyway that the different details of our lives will pale into significance beside the wonder of beholding his beautiful face. So, my understanding. We wouldn't accept the words of the doctor, but we said we would obey whatever the doctor wanted us to do. And on our file in the Auckland hospital for my son, it says, parents based on religious grounds will not accept the diagnosis of the doctors. So we went into the battle we had our son prayed for regularly. Before we would go anywhere we were sick, we'd get him prayed for first from the elders, then we'd go to the doctor or hospital. But sometimes after being prayed for, we didn't have to because it just lifted off him. We would practice the promise in James 5 that we'd get our son anointed regularly. And I've seen my son in the hands of a pastor that doesn't believe in God as a healer. And as he anoints him with oil, he is healed. He is like changed from sick to back to life i felt like saying i wonder how how he processes that you know this is against his theology but here it is living evidence you've got to step into the word of god and believe it well when our son was about two years old we had a word from the lord that said a demonic spirit had entered him at birth now for a lot of christians they find that a, a bit uncomfortable but, but I don't. I mean, I was there at the birth, and it was pretty traumatic. And so I don't understand why spirit entered him. But I called the elders as, the, as the word of the Lord said, and the elders came to the the hospital. They prayed for our son, and I saw something leave from my son. And my son, who was a, who was just lying in bed, just sort of semi-comatose, if you like, he he literally lifted himself up and watched something leave the room. And from that day. There was a progressive healing. We had him under the care of a specialist to get him off um, medication. And by the time he was just over four, he was dropped off all medication and the x-rays showed that his lungs were perfect. the doctor used the words, his lungs are actually better than most people who walk this earth. Our son never had a cold until he was in his early 20s. God rebuilt his whole immune system. You know, I mean, this is the power of God if we sway on him. So the question is, who said? And if the doctor says something over your life, the first thing you do is you go to the body of Christ and you get it cut off. All medical edicts should be cut off your life. And you change your words from saying, I am, to uh, I have a diagnosis of. Subtle, but powerful. If you get a diagnosis that is very negative, which is time-based, if you like, then again you dig into the word of the Lord. And I've still on Psalm 139, verse 16, which says, "All Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I'm not leaving this earth one day before and not one day after the Lord calls me home. And you need to make that statement. And then the answer is, Nothing can come against you because you're standing under the covering and the word of the Lord. Leaning in on the body of Christ, we did a simple demonstration, um, I've done a couple of times, where, so who who likes prayer and I won't do it this morning, but um, so get some people who like to pray for people to come forward and then you just ask for a volunteer who's who's in a time of trial and you put the person in the middle of the group and you say well we're just going to pray for you now when you get a group of people that believe in the Lord gathering together and you've got a person in trial the, the, the elements of scripture start to, to fall into place, there's two or more gathered in Jesus' name so the answer is Jesus there in the midst and when you're in, Jesus is in the midst of you, he likes to talk to you and so out of the group of people who are believers the word of the Lord will come The Lord will guide the people how to pray. The the word of scripture will come. And we always have somebody who will take notes and specifically wait for that scripture that may be the key for this person. The Lord always has a word for everybody. Every situation of man has a scripture to set the captive free. And you have to wait to receive that. And that's what you can do by leaning in on the body of Christ. So we prayed for this guy and he had um, prostate cancer, he was late 70s, great prayer time, there was about a page of notes given to the guy and prayer time finished, went away. A year later at Promise Keepers, this guy comes up to me and says, do you remember me? And I said, no, no not really. He said, we should do, I was the guinea pig that you all prayed for last year. And I said, oh, I remember you. He said, um, I'm healed. So I mean we did this simple little demonstration to show people how to pray for people and we were expecting God to turn up. But we didn't know God turned up and healed the guy. You know. But unless you step into these things, if you are sick, unless you lean into the body of Christ, or if you like praying for people, unless you start praying for people, you're not going to see God move. We have to be bold and active in this. this morning, I'd like to ask you all a question. If you look death in the face this morning, right now, do you have peace or fear? If you died now, do you know where you're going? Heaven or hell, we just nowhere. Midway through chemotherapy, I went into a state called neutropena, where the chemotherapy is overdone and chemotherapy is a poison and it's designed to kill all fast-growing cells. And the theory is cancerous fast-growing cells. You take chemo to kill the fast-growing cells. But at the same time, it kills a whole lot of other things like your hair. And, um. But if they overdo it, basically your whole immune system collapses and you're in this state where your body doesn't function very well. You're taken into hospital, you're put into a quarantine ward because if you capture... Any form of sickness at that time, you can die within three hours of septicemia. They don't often talk about it with cancer patients, but it does happen. People do die of um, going through uh, chemo. <clears throat> so I was in this state, in this um, isolation ward, and I was sitting on the bed. I said to the Lord, well, if there's something going on in my body at the moment, I'm going be with you in three hours. I can tell you I sat there in perfect peace because I knew who I was I knew where I was going so how about you you may come to church every day for the whole of your life But just like if you were born into a McDonald's restaurant and lived there for the whole of your life, it doesn't make you a Big Mac. (laughs) So coming to church doesn't make you a Christian unless you make a deliberate decision to surrender your life to Christ. So I don't know any of you people here, so I can ask this bold question. So what about you? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Can I ask you just to close your eyes and just bow your head? If I told you you were going to die in three hours' time, how would you feel? Would you feel fear or would you be at peace? Are you ready to meet your maker today? Right now? On what basis do you think you have entitlement to enter heaven? Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all infected with sin. Whether we display our righteous deeds, we are nothing but filthy rags. What hope is there for any of us? Our home is meant to be in heaven. Heaven is God's home and is in his presence. There can be no evil. The Bible says we're all sinners. There is no place in heaven for such people as us. But the good news is that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. It says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. If you need Jesus this morning and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, do you want to just put up your hand just to say, I'd like Jesus this morning also this morning I want to pray for the sick. We want to pray for people for healing and to pray a blessing on caregivers. If there's anyone here who's a caregiver looking after a sick person, we want to pray that you'll be an overcomer in this time of trial. So I just want to lay down a foundation of God's word. And Isaiah 53.5 says, by his wounds we are healed. In John 1.1, 1, 1, this mysterious scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I struggled to com- comprehend the fullness of that one. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Here we have an indication that Jesus is the living word. He was in the beginning. That through him all things were made. John 17, 8. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the, for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. Here is a declaration that Jesus has access to everything of the Father. John 17:20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Father, I want those who have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. John 16 verse 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. These are deep scriptures, but my understanding is that when Jesus dwells, when we ask Jesus to live within us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are there, that we have access to the resources of heaven. Jesus said that we can do greater things than he did. I mean, I don't understand all this stuff. But I'm prepared to step into that. We had a word this morning that says, this is the banqueting table. So, folks, I'd like to say to you that here is the banqueting table this morning. And what do you need to feed of him? Is the pre ministry team here? Would they like to come forward? as these people come forward these are people who got a heart for praying and you could turn around and say "No, this is just the floor in front of, of the stage just got carpet on but God said this morning there is a banqueting table so in the spirit I believe there's a banqueting table here these people are used to praying for people and, they, and they're used to hearing the word of the Lord and this morning they may experience something at the banqueting table that they've never experienced before as they pray for people we can step into stuff we don't even have an understanding hello Charles he's a man that knows the miraculous of God I know the miraculous of God doesn't mean I understand it. But we can choose to step into the resources of heaven, because that's what Jesus has given us. What we receive, we're told to give away. If you' if sitting under a diagno, if you're sitting under the words of a doctor that says you're an ABC or whatever it is I've told you. If you wanted to step into changing your terminology of yourself to being a diagnosis, I'd encourage you to come this morning and ask one of these people here to break the medical edict off your life. And with your own choice of words, start using, I have a diagnosis of. Maybe before you even leave the seat, You've made that decision. I'm no longer going to be an AB. I'm going to have a diagnosis of AB. Doesn't matter what the doctors say, the power of God can transform anything. If I can be healed of a diagnosis of stage four lung cancer, God can heal you of anything. If Charles can be healed of asbestosis, Nobody gets healed of asbestosis. Nobody. There's nothing God can't do. You have a choice. You can. God's quite happy for you to be an AB for the rest of your life, if that's your choice. But if you want to receive all that God has for you at the banqueting table, then come this morning and choose to allow God to start moving in your life. You may receive a miracle here this morning, just like that. But it may begin a sequence of change that over a period of time, your doctors will come into alignment, that your medication will stop. I don't believe any of us are meant to be on medication, to be honest. Long term. Short term, maybe. I'm on medication at the moment. And in Psalm 91, my psalm, it says in verse 4, he will set me free from the foulest snare. And I see my medication as a foulest snare. And I tell God, I want to be set free from this foulest snare. I was originally prescribed eight tablets a day. My doctor's got me down to six. He won't let me go down anymore, but I'm waiting for him to agree to stop the medication. Because I don't believe the medication is healing. Me. God's healed me. But my doctor's got this paradigm shift to get over. you're a caregiver. My wife Frances would love to pray for you. She knows what it is to be a caregiver. For months on end, to know the loneliness of a person that you care for that's not there. It's not there for you. Being a caregiver can be harder than being a sick person. So if you if you're a caregiver at the moment, now Francis to praise if you want to step into the promises of James 5 where it says come to the elders and ask them to anoint you with oil it says the sick person comes it's not for an elder to come to you to anoint you with oil, the scripture doesn't say that it says you the sick person you go to the elders and you ask to be anointed for oil and you ask to be healed of whatever it is, want to be healed of A V don't know if any of these guys got oil but <laughs> <laughs> we got oil John? No. Okay, we don't have oil. But you can do it some other time. You can go to John and say, John, I want to be anointed with oil. So come. The banqueting table is ready. If there's anyone here with cancer, I'll pray for you. Come.
0: Just feel free to move, folks.